0: Well, from the very first Thanksgiving meal, celebrated in 1621, I'm told, to your mom's dining room table in four days, Thanksgiving is and has always been about the coming together of people to celebrate all that we have, right? all that we've been given. What makes it one of America's most treasured holidays is the coming together of people, Right? Friends and family members all around the same table. What makes it one of America's most contentious holidays is the coming together of people. <laughs> Friends and family members all around the same table, right? It's like all your favorite people bringing so much joy and laughter and opinions and politics and and subtle jokes that don't land well and leave people feeling hurt and unseen. But it's also having all the siblings together again. Right? reminiscing about the old times, sharing stories about favorite family vacations, as well as embarrassing moments and age-old arguments that are never resolved. Well, their spouses are nodding their heads because they could see it coming from a mile away. But it's also having everyone prepare their favorite dishes taking time to pull out family recipe cards, Betty Crocker, all the classics, just to be asked if there's dairy in the potatoes, there's gluten in the stuffing. The cranberry sauce really come from a can. But it's also having all the kids running around, right, having old school mess around in the basement sort of fun and asking for phones and complaining about everything and having their feelings hurt by a cousin causing all the parents to pretend like they don't judge how other people parent knowing they're going to vent about them on the car ride home anyways it's thanksgiving it's the coming together of people friends and family members all around the same table Yeah. It's a mixed bag. A mixed bag of emotions and expectations and everything. But here's the deal. You don't have to feel... You don't have to leave Thanksgiving feeling dejected about your own crew, right? Assuming everyone else is having this perfect made-for-Facebook family feast. It's not just you. The laughter tells you it's, it's all of us. In fact, this stuff goes back to the beginning of the beginning. Shoot, just look at the first sibling pair in the Bible. Cain murders his brother because he's jealous. And then not too long later, we've got the brothers Jacob and Esau who are constantly fighting, negotiating, eventually stealing from each other because they both want daddy's blessing and mommy's favoritism. We just finished reading First Samuel and talk about some Odd family dynamics. David marries into King Saul's family, becomes best friends with his new brother-in-law, and all goes well until dad tries to pin him to a wall with a spear while he's playing the harp. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we will read 2 Samuel eventually. But one of David's sons assaults his little sister and his stepmom, and then one of David's other sons becomes king and is said to have had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Talk about an awkward Thanksgiving table, right? This carries over into the New Testament. Jesus is constantly hosting dinner parties. And there's nothing more contentious in the Gospels than Jesus' dinner parties. People get ticked off because they're not invited. And then other people get ticked off because, quote, sinners were invited. The sick, the poor, tax collectors, sex workers. It's a chaotic mess, and people don't always know how to handle themselves. And then you have the sister pair of Mary and Martha who fight in front of Jesus over who's doing more in the kitchen. And you know things are breaking down when you start yelling in front of the guests, especially when one of the guests is Jesus. The early church, all the same struggles. Corinth alone, they had fighting over some people wanting to eat meat that was unclean or unkosher. Other people who were eating meat that was previously sacrificed to idols. And even more were upset because at their community love feasts, the wealthy would get off work early, eat all the good food, and there wouldn't be any left for when the laborers finally got off work. The point is, welcome to the club. Your family's not messed up. They're just human. They're just human, and it's all part of it. But the question for this morning is, does it need to be? Does Thanksgiving need to be such a mixed experience? Just because King David's kids were a train wreck, does that mean we need to, like, throw in the towel and set the bar really low for this week? No, right? I I don't think it has to be that hard. And I genuinely believe that if we could rein in one simple thing, it would transform Thanksgiving, transform our relationships. It would make church a whole lot easier, too. And and that one thing is our mouths. Now, there are so many amazing passages we could do this morning. There's endless wise sayings and spiritual practices to help us, quote, tame our tongue, which tells us something. One... As we just surveyed, we're not the first people to struggle controlling our mouths. But two, this is probably an important conversation. So here's the deal. I want to read several passages this morning, like more than you probably expect. And I'm not going to read all of the chapters and verses. I'm not going to cite them all because what I want you to do is just to listen to them. Right, I get that we're all different and in different places on life's journey, so I encourage you to hear what you hear and then not worry about what doesn't connect. I'm I'm willing to bet that there's gonna be some tidbits in all of these readings that that might strike a chord, and so we'll just focus on those. After reading them, I'll share some thoughts on the passage, and then finally, I'm gonna offer a couple practical things. uh, a challenge or a table game of sorts. So we can try this Thanksgiving that could help. All right, find a comfortable position and hear these ancient words. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent, they hold their tongues. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled, With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to control their whole body. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by human, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs. that It may benefit those who listen. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. When you take control of your words, you take your life back. As long as your words are in line with the word of God, nothing can touch you. As you practice, don't be discouraged if you miss it now and then. Just repent for any wrongs you've said and get right back on track. You will have what you say. Jesus called the crowd near to them and said, listen and understand. It's not what goes in the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates a person. Then Peter spoke up, explain this riddle to us. Jesus said, don't you understand? Don't you know that everything that goes into your mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that's what contaminates a person in God's sight. Let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. These are just some of the words of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. The tongue, words, right? What comes out of the mouth It's a great power we have in our words. As one of the Proverbs puts it, the tongue has the power of of life and death. And this emphasis on the power of the spoken word, it is deeply rooted in the Christian worldview and story. In the beginning of the beginning, we read of a God who created things out of nothing. Not by strength or power or good old-fashioned worth ethic, but, but through the spoken word. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke the world into being. And then God's word continued to come to people. Generations after generations of people sought after God's word. And then as we encounter Jesus, we notice that he's often referred to as the word of God, the word that was with God in the beginning and, and is God. It's like this new thing that God is doing in and through Jesus echoes this generative word spoken by God in the beginning. And then as, as inheritors, as children of God, we have in a way been invited to, to pick up this power this creative life and death wielding power that can mend a broken heart, but can also burn everything to the ground. Our words can be the most beautiful gifts given, completely free to give, and yet we let them go by unspoken so often. All right? Why? Because it's hard. James, the author of the one passage, said all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and and have been tamed by humans, but no human can tame the tongue. It is hard to control what comes out of our mouth, right? It's hard to tame our tongue. Friends, I can tease and poke and provoke with the best of them. I know how hard it is to control what comes out of our mouth, but I also think it's possible, I just think we need to go deeper. To control what comes out of our mouth, we have to go the source. And I think that's where many people go wrong. Like James, they think the source is the tongue, so to speak, that, that our battle is with the mouthpiece. Right? But that's just the vehicle for the words. As we read, Jesus called the crowd near and said to them, listen and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates. Then Peter spoke up, explain this riddle to us. And Jesus said, don't you understand? Don't you know that everything that goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? And you know that there's a Sunday school kid making a potty joke right now. It's happening. Don't you know that everything that goes into the mouth enters the stomach and out into the sewer, but what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and that's what contaminates a person. You can try all you want to tame your tongue, to control your mouth, but if we show up at Thanksgiving dinner with a heart full of stress and resentment and intent- entitlement, negativity, you know, fill in the blank, our tongue's going to cause a little chaos. But if we show up with a, a gentle, kind, thankful heart, there's no taming going to be needed. right? Words will come effortlessly to us. We will become a conduit of love. All right, how about a couple takeaways for this week? A couple of ideas to bring joy and healing to the Thanksgiving table. One. Do whatever you need to do between now and then to soften your heart. As we said, we're all in different places in life and we all lean towards different things. So, so, for you, that means booking an extra session with your therapist. Great. Do it. Oh, it wasn't supposed to be funny. Really, do it. If it means committing to taking a short walk outside every morning, that works for you. Great do it. That means reading the Bible, centering yourself with prayer, writing down a long list of your resentments so that you can actively surrender them to God. Do it. Whatever you do to invest in the condition of your heart, well, start doing it today and it will pay off by Thursday, right? Because what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And so let's go to the source. Let's invite God to create in us, as the psalmist says, a clean heart and renew in us a loving spirit. And so, yeah, one, let's work on our heart. Let's do all that stuff. And two, let's speak our heart into the condition we want it to be in, right? As we said at the beginning, our words have this like generative, creative power to them. We can at times speak Our hopes into being. So, get this, I want to challenge you all to a competition, a Thanksgiving table game of sorts. Last year, we did an entire Nazarite November. This challenge is just one day. You're welcome. The final passage we read from Colossians 4 6 said, Let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. And so, while you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table, Every time salt comes up or comes to mind or is spoken out loud, I challenge you to say something kind about someone in front of other people. So you sprinkle salt on the already salty green bean casserole. Say something kind about someone in front of people. Someone asks you to pass the salt, say something kind about someone in front of People. Someone complains that cousin Janet put too much salt in the gravy again. Say something kind about someone in front of people. Try using salt as a trigger, as a reminder to say something kind about someone in front of people. You'd be surprised how contagious kindness is. And if it feels uncomfortable saying something kind... It's about someone in front of other people. It's probably because you're a horrible person. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) It's probably because you're out of practice. So just have fun with it. (laughs) You don't have to tell people you're playing. Maybe give a wink to your spouse or to your kids, right? Just have some fun with it. Have fun throwing salt around the Thanksgiving table. Thanksgiving doesn't have to be a mixed bag. Coming together with people, friends, and family members all around the same table, it doesn't have to feel tense. It can be a lot of fun. So commit to preparing your heart. Whatever that looks like for you, do it. Do it twice. Do it every day. You won't regret it. And then when gathered together with all of those people, let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Happy Thanksgiving. Amen.